Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. A couple things uh, before we get into the message this morning. We're going to be giving you an update on the building at the end of the service, so we're inviting you to just stay a couple extra minutes today so that we can keep you up to date on where we are at with the building. We will start putting the renderings uh, for phase one right there uh, in the middle uh, so that you can see what's going to be happening here in the very near future. Also, this coming Wednesday, we will start a five-week series on the book of Acts, looking at Pentecost. And it really is going to form a foundation for what I shared with you last week, where starting in February of next year, I'll be doing the most ambitious series of messages I've ever done in 32 years of being a pastor, a six-month series on the Holy Spirit. And then, obviously, uh, we all know, and I'm sure we're very much affected by the tragedy in uh, Texas at the church last Sunday, and certainly our thoughts and prayers are with all of those folks down there. Uh, and just to let you know that here at the Oasis, even while we are here at Basha, we are doing everything that we can humanly do to prevent something like that from happening. Our security team is always very vigilant each Sunday and Wednesday. And, uh, but ultimately, our trust is not in anything other than the Lord himself. And that's just what it needs to be, especially in the day and age in which we live. We need to trust in the Lord. So today we're starting a five-week series in the book of Jude. So if you have your Bibles, want to find Jude, it's pretty easy to find. It's the little book, one chapter, right before the book of Revelation. And I think actually that the book of Jude is very strategically placed in the order of the Bible because after, right before the book of Revelation that talks to us about all the great unfolding events that are going to happen in the future. There's this little book that is given to us and was given to the community of believers that Jude was writing to, to solidify us in who we are. That's really what these 25 verses are all about. It, it was written to no matter where we are in our walk with God, it was to help make us a little bit more solid. If something has gotten a little loose, then it was sort of like that, that nail that is driven in to just connect something a little bit tighter, a little bit stronger, make that connection a little bit stronger. And so I hope that through these next five weeks that we have together, that that's exactly what God will do once again with this powerful letter, is that again, no matter where we are in our walk with God, it will solidify us in our God and in who we are in our God, and that more than ever before, we will be solid as to our identity in Jesus Christ. Because that's really, again, what this book is all about, reminding us of our identity. I believe that there's sort of an identity crisis in the church today amongst professing Christians. Many Christians don't really know, I think, who they are. 
And that was a problem even back in Jews' day. It's what motivated him to write the letter. Um, because in this community of believers, and we don't know exactly where this community of believers was at, we're not told, that many of the relationships and many of the people that these folks had went to church with had left, had broken away from the fellowship and were no longer part of the fellowship. And this greatly affected the people that were sort of left behind. They were struggling as these false teachers infiltrated the church and started to spread false doctrine. And because many of the people, many of the members in that community of believers were not grounded, did not have a solid you know, foundation, uh, were, were not rooted in who they really were, they were very much susceptible and vulnerable to the teaching of these false teachers. And they were drawn away from not only God, but they were drawn away from one another as well. And it was very hurtful and painful to, to the people left behind. So Jude wants to really, at least with the folks who are left, remind them who they are so that these false teachers who he is going to call out in the verses that are coming, in the coming weeks, will not have as much influence on the remaining part of the fellowship as they did earlier on. I think this is a very timely thing for us today, again, because I believe that many Christians really don't know who they are. And it's one of the reasons why Christians today are so easily moved, if you will, and drawn away and distracted by so many other things and whatever, because we really don't know who we are. We're trying to find our identity. And as I thought about this, it so reminded me of a show that every once in a while Lisa and I catch on the Learning Channel. Uh, it's one of the few shows that we enjoy watching. It's called Long Lost Family. I don't know how many of you have ever seen that show. It's really a, a show about um, finding lost loved ones, if you will. Uh, these folks uh, had been adopted and some of them grew up in pretty rough adopted situations. Other of them had very good adopted family situations. But no matter what case that was, each one of these folks, they came to a place in their life where it was like, no matter whether my adoptive situation was good or bad, positive or negative, there's this overwhelming desire within them to find their biological mother or father. Because there's still something in their minds that's sort of missing, if you will. That, that, that sort of can, can give them that closure and close the loop. And it's all really surrounding their identity. They, they want to know who they're from and what their roots are, if you will. And I don't know why this mic is doing this today, but you know, every once in a while we have these situations. We might need to switch mics. This works any better. Yay! All right. 
So back to that whole thing. It, it's really about finding their identity. And they just don't feel like they're complete until they get reconnected. Or maybe even for the very first time, if they were adopted, obviously as a baby, to even be connected for the very first time with their biological mother or father. Well, that's really why Jude writes this letter. And we're just going to look at the first two verses today, the, the greeting, the salutation of Jude. Jude says, this letter is from me, from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and brother of James to those who are called, who are wrapped up in the love of God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be lavished upon you. Now, first of all, let's talk about the author of this letter, Jude. It is one of only two books of the Bible or letters in the New Testament written by one of Jesus's brothers. This man was a son of Joseph and Mary. This man was a brother of Jesus. And what he says, even in the first two verses, of how he even identifies himself, how he sees his own identity, is very powerful. His self-identification, if you will. And it also is a very powerful testimony to who Jesus Christ is. You see, the name Jude is a shortened form of the name Judah, or more commonly, Judas. And obviously we know why they chose Jude over Judas, because even today, that name Judas conjures up for us a lot of negative things, right? That was the one disciple out of the 12 that turned his back on Jesus and betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, gave him that kiss in the garden to turn him over to the authorities and just all kinds of ugh. And yet when you think about it, it's sort of ironic that God chose Judas, the brother of Jesus, the one who eventually came to faith in Jesus, to write a book about sort of those who walk away from Jesus and from the relationships that they have in their life, whether they are spiritual relationships or family relationships or whatever. And we've all experienced that. Maybe you and I have at times walked away from relationships and maybe we know the pain of others who've walked away from us. And Judas really, because Judas at one time was a faithful follower. In fact, looking at it from the outside, nobody would have known that there was any problem with Judas. In fact, even on the night that Jesus predicted one of them, one of the 12 would betray him, it wasn't like the other 11 went, well, I know who it is. They had no clue. There was no outward, you know, like real evidence there. There was a lot of things going on internally, obviously with Judas, but not a lot of external stuff that they could point to. And so it reminds us that that's the way it's always been in relationships and with people walking out. I mean, 
Think of marriages that at one time were solid but no longer are. Think about friendships that at one time were solid and no longer are. We've all experienced these things. That's why the book of Jude is so important for us. And Jude wants to write this as the brother of Jesus because obviously he has a great perspective on all these kinds of things too because let's not forget that Jude grew up in a home where his sibling was Jesus. And many of us might even think, well, that would have been great. In some ways, yes, but in other ways, no. How would you have liked to have had a sibling that never did anything wrong? How much tension and rivalry and envy and jealousy would there have been in that home? What an extra challenge for Joseph and Mary as parents to have to navigate, you know, parenting all these other children, and yet there's Jesus. So it wasn't all, you know, great. And yet the interesting thing here and why this is so powerful is that Jude, like his other siblings, came to believe later on in his life that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And to me, there is no more powerful testimony in history to who Jesus really is than to know that two of his brothers, James, who wrote the other letter in the New Testament, and Jude said, yep, I lived with the man. I knew him day in and day out as we grew up. I was as close to Jesus on an everyday basis as And there was nothing that Jesus ever said or did that would cause me to doubt for one second that he truly is God of very God, deity, the Son of God. Let me ask you, would any of your siblings ever mistaken you to be God? Would you have ever mistaken any of your siblings to be God? I don't think so. So what a powerful testimony Jude gives us when he says in verse 1 how he identifies himself. He doesn't drop names. Notice, he, neither him nor James, like probably I would have done, the first thing out of my mouth would have been, oh, by the way, uh, I, I was the brother of Jesus. You know, drop the mic type of moment, boom, that's it walk away. No, he never did that. James says, I'm the brother, or Jude says, I'm the brother of James, so you can get the family connection there, but I am a slave of Jesus Christ. I am simply his humble servant. That's how I see myself. And in that word slave, the Greek word doulos, it speaks about one who very voluntarily and willingly devotes themselves to the service of another. It's not like somehow we think sometimes that a slave is only forced to do certain things. This word spoke about someone who had the free will and actually chose that, nope, I want to be the servant the slave of this one. Because I recognize in him something I never recognized in anyone else. And there's going to be an honor and a dignity to being a servant of this one, Jesus Christ. This word speaks about one who is always willing to be at the disposal of one. 
In other words, Jude said, if you and I identify ourselves this way as simply humble servants of Jesus Christ, we will wake up every day and sort of report in for duty and say, okay, Jesus, what do you have for me today? I am at your disposal 24-7. What do you need me to do? What do you want me to do, Jesus? That's what that term means. It's, it's all about, here's my identity. My identity is wrapped up in being simply a humble servant of Jesus Christ. One that I grew up with, one that I have now come to believe in as Lord and Savior. And I simply want to spend the rest of my life in humble service to him. Is that how we see ourselves? See, because Jude is saying that part of why we don't wake up as Christians every day with a sense of meaning to our life and mission to our life is because we've really never come to a place where we look at ourselves as a slave of Jesus Christ. That our lives are not our own. We have been bought with a price, the Apostle Paul says. Therefore, we are to give our lives for him. So many times as Christians, part of where our, our identity suffers is we still want all the benefits of Jesus and being attached to Jesus. And we love the fact that we have eternal life and our sins are forgiven and all of that. But I still want my life the way I want my life. I still want to lead. I still want to call the shots. I still want to do what I want to do. And Jude's saying, no, no, the most fulfilling life the life that will give you the greatest identity, the greatest security, the greatest stability is when you and I realize that we are just humble servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's actually, again, an honor and dignity to that that you can't find in anything else. And then he goes on to say this. He says, I want you to know that you are called called. Everyone here who is a believer in Jesus Christ, God wants you to know you are called. What's that mean? How does that help me to know what my identity is? Because the word speaks about one who is invited, invited and welcomed as a guest of God. Now think about it. I'm just going to pull some random names out here, but names that signify wealth and prosperity and power and prestige. If you got this invitation to join Bill Gates and be a guest in his home for a day, would you go, nah, I'm not interested. <laughs> or would you go, wow, I could be a guest Bill Gates? Or if Warren Buffett or someone like that gave you an invitation? Most people would jump at the chance. Yet the sad thing is, Jude is saying, as children of God, we are invited and welcomed every day to be a guest at this king's table that God has prepared for us, and he's just waiting for us to accept his invitation. And it's, it's spread out there every day for us. We could come and literally be welcomed and sit at the very King of Kings table every day and partake of all the good things that God has for us. And yet so many Christians, we 
don't accept that invitation. And yet even the psalmist in Psalm 23 says, God even prepares this king's table, this table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so often as Christians, again, because we lack who we are in God and our identity, we, we go around feeling so deprived and depleted and, and we've got nothing. And uh, what, what does following Christ and being a servant of Christ, you know, what does it get me? And God is saying, well, why don't you just sit down at the table that I prepared for you every day? and feast with me, and fellowship with me, and know who you are in me, and realize the nourishment and the provision and, and the great things that I have for you every day. That's what it means to be called. And then he says, I want you as Christians to know that every day you are wrapped up in the love of God the Father. It means one who exists within the sphere of God's love permanently. That's what the word means. In other words, as I've shared before to encourage you, you are as loved now by God as you've ever been. And there is never a time where God hasn't loved you or loved you any less than he does now. And there's never been a time in your life where God loves you more than he loves you right now. You've always been wrapped up in the love of God. And that God looks at you every day as precious to him, as beloved by him. That's what the word means. In fact, this word is the Greek word agape toy. It is simply the word love, agape, the highest kind of love, with the extension on it, oi. It means precious one, beloved, divinely loved one. And in the Net Bible, it's actually translated in the book of Jude, dear friends, three other times in these 25 verses. That shows it's an important concept for Jude and one that he wants to get across to his fellow believers. In verse 3, you'll see the beginning of that verse, dear friends, in the Net Bible translation. In verse 17, you'll see the word, dear friends. And then in verse 20, dear friends. It's the same Greek word, agape toy, beloved one, precious one, one who always exists permanently in the sphere of God's love. He's saying, do you realize, again, believer, that every day you and I, and I wake up, our identity should be wrapped up in being a humble, servant of Jesus Christ, one who is being invited to the king's table to partake of what he has for us every day and knowing that every day that we wake up, we're loved by God. Really loved by God. We talk as Christians about love of God and being loved by God, but very few Christians have really ever received and been impacted and moved by the kind of love that God has for them. They walk around feeling unloved and their identity is not solid and that's why many false teachers and many other things can come in and distract their life and why they keep looking for other loves and things in their life that will fulfill and satisfy when the greatest love that they could ever experience is standing and staring them right in the face every day, the love of God the Father. 
who wants to just grab a hold of them and pull them close and just give them the biggest God-like hug they could ever have. Jude says, I lived with God. He was my brother. And there was no more loving man that I ever met than Jesus Christ. And if Jesus and God the Father are one, then I know that my Father loves me like that too. Because Jesus always loved me. Probably even when I didn't like Jesus very much because he always showed me up. I was envious of Jesus. I was jealous of Jesus. Do you know how hard it was to be the brother of someone who never did anything wrong? Who was holy? Who was perfect? Who never spoke an unkind word? Who never even had an unkind thought? And yet he said, he always loved me. And I want you to know that he loves you today just like that. And then he says, we need to understand that we are also kept for Jesus Christ. The word kept means to, or to keep here, means to watch over something carefully. To keep an eye on something. In a sense, it's talking about protection. Guarding something. And Jude is saying, you realize you can always take that to the bank every day. God will watch over you and keep his eye on you. Not even just for ourselves, even though, again, he loves us like crazy. Jude is saying he keeps us, he preserves us for Jesus Christ. Because we as believers are going to be trophies of the grace of God throughout eternity. We are going to, to be the evidence given to the universe of who Jesus Christ is and his love for us and his grace in our lives. No wonder in the prayer of Jesus, in John chapter 17, verse 11, Jesus even said to the Father, Holy Father, keep them safe. In your name. Jesus even asked the Father, watch over them. Keep your eye on them, those who have come to me. And that's why Jesus said, no man, nothing will ever be able to pluck them out of my Father's hand because my Father's got them locked down. And if anything does touch their life, it's got to come through the hand of my Father first. And if it does come through, then we know for sure, based upon who God is and who we are to God, that it is only because God is allowing it for our highest good. And that somehow, even if it's something really terrible or bad, God will in some way work something out for good in that situation and bring something good out of that eventually. That's what it means to be kept for Jesus Christ. That's why you and I don't have to be anxious or worried or fretting over things because if we really know what our identity is and who our identity is in Jesus Christ, in, in God, then we know that God is watching over us all the time and keeping his eye on us. And just like Jesus said, 
Does not my father even know when a bird falls from the tree and falls to the ground? Then if God knows when a bird falls to the ground, don't you think God knows what's happening in your life? He knows the number of hairs on our head. He's got that kind of fine detail down. Jesus is trying to say, if God knows all of that, then don't you think he's got you? Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Our identity. And then Jude says this. May mercy, peace, and love not just be added but literally be multiplied, or I like what the net says, lavished on you. Let's talk for a moment about mercy. Mercy is God's help and relief for us through his very sufficient resources. That's what his mercy is. That's why the Bible talks about the fact that God's mercy is extended to us even in the plight of our sin through Jesus Christ. God's mercy runs towards us saying, I want to help you. I want to relieve you from the debt and guilt and pain of your sin. Let my son Jesus Christ come into your life. Believe in him and let my mercy flood into your life. I have sufficient resources to help and relieve you in whatever situation we find ourselves in. And if God in his mercy can, can identify and help us with our greatest need, which was our need of a savior, our need of to do something with this presence and power of sin in our life, then do we not think that God's mercy is, cannot be there to help and relieve us in any situation or circumstance in our life? And that his resources are always very sufficient. Some of you, again, because maybe you're struggling or not solid on your identity, you have been, you have been limping along in a sense in your life for far too long with something that God so willingly wants to help come into your life, help you with, relieve you of, so that you don't have to carry that any longer and you are just being stubborn and willful and not receiving his mercy. And God is saying to you today, I want to help. I want to come into your life and relieve you of whatever is ailing you and hurting you and causing you pain and causing you just to limp through life. That's not who I want you to be in me. I want you to know that your identity in me is that you are connected and that you are a child of a merciful God. And this merciful God wants to help you with each and every one of life's situations and wants to relieve you of the pain that you're in. Let his mercy flow into your life today, my friends. And then he says, I want God's peace to be lavished on you as well. God's peace is the realization in our minds and hearts of the blessing and the well-being that we have through God setting things right. Because only God can set things right. <laughs> and when God sets things right in our life, when everything lines up, when everything is back the way it should be from God's perspective, and everything is lined up, 
Oh my goodness, what blessing and well-being we experience. And that's why God wants to set things right. That's why this word, very interesting, means to be at one again. It's like part of where we go wrong is, again, we don't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Our priorities get all out of whack and our pursuits and, and all of this get all out of whack. And so our life starts to look like, you know, 10 fingers going in all different directions. And then we wonder why we are stressed and why we're anxious and why we feel pulled in all these different directions. It's because we're not letting God give us peace by setting everything at once again and making him the top priority, being his humble servant every day, realizing that we can come to the king's table every day and not only be nourished and provided for, but we can be lavishly loved on. When you and I are at one again with God, then we experience what we talked about in Philippians, the peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't mean that our circumstances are all good. It doesn't mean we're not going through trials and tribulations. But it means that when, when you and I are right with God, then everything else will be okay because God and I are okay. God and I are okay. So many, even Christians today, want to try to seek to be okay with everybody else except God. The first thing should be, let's be okay with God. And then all those other things will take care of themselves. In fact, there's even a promise in the Bible where God says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Wow. God says, if you just get right with me, maybe those rumblings and things that you have to deal with with others will settle down a little bit and simmer down a little bit. Peace. And then once again, notice how important this is. For the second time in just two verses, Jude says, oh, and I want you to know God's love being lavished on you. Jude is simply saying to his readers, I want each of you to know what special objects of love you are to God. And I want you to be inspired in that love, and I want you to be inspired by that love every day that you live. I want you to get up every day knowing I am loved by God. And that no matter what I do or what I say, I can never be loved any more or any less. God's love is constant. And you say again, what does all this have to do with identity and a solid foundation for this very reason? Just like the community of believers that Jude was writing to. There are no guarantees with relationships. None. We don't know how relationships are going to end even if they begin well. I can't tell you in 32 years of being a pastor how many couples I married, and I would have said when I married them, oh, they're solid, great relationship. Things are going to be good. They'll last. No guarantees. 
Relationships are always fluctuating and changing and things are coming in and things can affect relationships and even friendships that you thought, oh my goodness, they'll be lifetime friends. Nope, nope. They walked away from each other. Just like Judas did Jesus. Walked away from the greatest friend and love he would ever have in his life. Why? So Jude is saying, here's your foundation. Here's what you and I need. We can't build our foundation on other people and human relationships or on anything earthly. Guess why? Because there's no guarantees with those. Things can change. A relationship can even start out good but not end good. But with God, with God, if you put your foundation in Him and your relationship with Him, then you know you're always solid. And there will never be anyone or anything that can come into your life and move you off of that foundation when it's that rooted and solid in Him. Because unlike other relationships, God will always be there for you. God will always love you no matter what. God will always welcome you and invite you to his king's table. God's help and relief will always be available to you no matter what. God's peace, setting things right in your life, will always be there. And you will always be a special object of God's love, period. And Jude is saying, when you and I understand that's our identity, that's who we are in God, then no false teacher, no human relationship, nothing that this world has to offer, nothing is ever going to move us from that kind of foundation. Because we are solid in God. And these are just the first two verses. Would you stand with me? God, I pray today that you would overcome my lacking in communicating, Lord, your truth here. And through your ministry of your Holy Spirit, that you would just convey what you need to and what you want to to each, each individual here today. Because God, I believe that in all of our lives, we can struggle with our identity, even as Christians. That we either forget who we are, we need to be reminded of who we are. Maybe we never have been taught who we are. And maybe even the truths that Jude brought up in just two verses of this powerful letter at the end of the New Testament, maybe this is the first time some of these folks have ever heard these concepts or principles or truth. But God, wherever each of us, wherever we are with you, God, would you use these next few minutes to just sort of solidify us in you, and on you, no matter where we are, God, make us more solid to you. Help us to walk out here today knowing who we are in you.
These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.